And uh, we can't preach that enough. Amen. That's such an important message. Um, I want to remind you we've got some stuff coming up. Don't forget about our outreaches. They'll, they'll be on the screens. Coat Drive and Love Your Neighbor on the 17th. And then also um, this weekend we're having a fundraiser, so be ready to eat lunch with us. Please just bring whatever money you were going to spend at the restaurant, whether it's McDonald's or, or Roadhouse, whatever, whatever, anywhere in between. You can spend it here and we can use it as a fundraiser. Amen. It's going to be uh, brisket, chicken, uh, beans, and what's salad? Potato salad. I couldn't think of that other thing. Amen. We know how to eat good around here. Amen. Well, I, I want to I talk tonight about... Chris, if you go ahead and put that up on the screen. So Sunday, Sunday morning we had a, uh, a, a blessing of having a, another attendance record broken. Amen. That's an exciting thing. Can you say amen to when we break attendance records? And uh, that thank God for the work that the Holy Spirit's doing. Um, we had chairs being pulled out in an 11 a.m. service, uh, even during praise and worship, which was exciting. And um, definitely... Uh, shattered Easter even, and so it was exciting to see all the new people, and that's with quite a few people out, too, a lot of people missing, including my parents, um, and different, always people missing, but it was great, great attendance, and so I want to do what Jesus would do if he had an attendance-breaking record service. I think I'm going to follow up with exactly what he would do. Every time Jesus saw a crowd and had a crowd of people he would prick them and get after them and find out where their heart was. So I'm going to follow up that record-breaking service with the question, am I a real disciple? Amen. Am I a real disciple? Because how many know we love to break records? We want to see this place packed, but we want this place to be full of disciples. Amen. We want this place to be full of people who know the Lord and love the Lord and, and, and know if they're a disciple or not. We don't want to be Christians this, tonight. We want to be disciples. Amen. Amen. Many people are Christians, but few are disciples. So we can always get these messages in us and cause us to question and ask ourselves, am I a real disciple? So we're going to be reading in Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 23. If you got that, get ready to look at it with me. It says, Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Notice it doesn't say on Sundays. Amen. Take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? And is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. How many want to be those people right there? Amen. Father, I ask you to anoint your word tonight on this Wednesday night. Thank you for blessing and anointing the kids area and the nursery, God, and ours hearts tonight to be open. Lord, I want to be a disciple. 
I want to be taught. I want to make sure that I'm in the faith tonight. I want to make sure that my heart is right. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what you've called me to do. And, Lord, that I've got an attitude to serve tonight and to live for you and just to be right in your eyes, God, and be obedient. And I just pray tonight that you'd speak to us as a church and continue to grow us into disciples. Make us disciples tonight, God, true followers and believers of Christ. And, Lord, we ask that you'd make that clear to us tonight. We would know where we stand with you in our hearts, in our lives. And we bind every spirit of the enemy, every lie of deception, every lie of comfort fire, every lie of of deception that comes against us to cause us to think that we're not good enough, Lord, or that we aren't able, Father, because you are able to do the work through us and in us tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to stay in Luke tonight for several more verses. Um, but I had a thought about this, and this was um, Monday. I was, I was blessed to be able to go to a, a football game with Pastor Mario. He came into town, and he said, I want to bless you, and I want to take you to a football game. And so he took me to the Dallas Cowboys game. We can all get our boo out the way there right now, amen, because we already know it wasn't a good one. Um, but it's still an amazing experience. It doesn't take away from the experience of going to the game. I had not been to a football game at, at the new stadium at the most expensive stadium in the world. And uh, we got there, and of course it was just fun being with Pastor Mario, and he's not even a Cowboys fan, but he put on a Cowboys shirt and, and went and hung out with me. And so we got there, and it just blew me away. This was a perfect lead-in to this tonight because it just blew me away at how many uh, fans there are and really disciples of football. And uh, we got there, and we didn't pay this because we've, we've, we bet, found better parking, but we began to drive close to the stadium and began to see signs because I've been to some Rangers games. So I was thinking the parking was going to be like 20 bucks. And he goes, it's not going to be 20 bucks. And I said, oh, okay. So we got there, and the first sign I saw was $55 for parking. So we drove past that one, and then we $45 for parking. So we just kept on driving. The cheapest parking we could find was $35 to park for this game. So that's how you start off to go into this billion dollar stadium and that's how they pay for it. And so we get out, we walk probably two or three miles it seemed like. Uh, to, actually we didn't walk, he actually, we actually got on one of those bikes that the people ride around. He's like, I'm not walking that far. So we got on one of those bikes and the guy rode us over there. And then the problem was we got a little closer to the thing and I said, you know what, we're so excited, I don't even know where we parked. We don't, I don't even know what parking lot we were in so we're gonna be in trouble after the game. Then we got inside, and we started seeing everybody in the concession stands, and check this out. Hamburgers for $35. Hamburger, they give you some chips, though, and a Coke and a souvenir cup. $35 for a hamburger. There was nothing cheaper than $20 on that menu, and people were in line for days to eat. And didn't think nothing of it. You know, it makes me think of a Sunday morning fundraiser. We're going to ask people to give $10 or something to eat. These guys were throwing out $50, $100. They were buying beers this tall for $10. And you know some of them people went through six or seven of them at least, right? Just throwing out money like crazy. So then, that's, that's not the best of it. Then you get inside and you see all the crazy people, right? Not just the ones with jerseys on, but people with their faces painted, 
people with dresses on, people with crazy hats on, and just all the craziness, right, for, for this team. And then, uh, then the game happens. We played horrible. We lost. We were, we, were, we were losers. Amen. We got out of there. And this is what really blew me away, though. As we were walking back, because we didn't, I told Mario, let's just walk. I'm not going to take that, that, that thing again because I don't even know where to tell them where we parked. That's what I told him. I'm like, I don't even know what to tell the guy. So we just started walking. But what blew me away after the game was we had lost, okay? All those people had spent all that money to buy a ticket, to get parking, to eat food, and, and just thrown out hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And then they're walking out of that stadium in droves, probably 100,000 people in that stadium, and, and they're you know, laughing, joking, da-da-da-da. Their team just lost, and the crazy thing is they're going to go back and do it again next time they come to a to game, even though they're mad at the team, even though they, they, they say they're never going to go again, even though they say they want a new coach, they want new players, they're, they're, they're complaining, they're crying, they're whining, but they're going to go back and watch them again. And I thought, man, there's people who, who would do all that as a fan for the Cowboys and, do, and go back and pay that money again, but, oh, don't let God somehow possibly fail you in some way. Don't let something go wrong in your church world. Don't let something go wrong in walking with God. You're just out. I'm not going back to that church again. I'm not going back to that Jesus again. But these crazy fans will go back game after game. We haven't won nothing for 20-something years and we'll still go back. Now, listen, I'm a fan. Everybody knows that I'm a Cowboys fan. But I told Pastor Mario, I, I couldn't do this every week. I couldn't go to this thing. Not, I'm not just talking about the fact that I couldn't afford it, but just the whole deal. I'd rather just sit on my couch and watch it on TV. Then if they lose, I'm home already. Amen? But the thing I thought was, man, some, some of the, not some, most of these people here would not, would not give $10 to God. Most of these people here wouldn't walk 10 feet to go listen to something about God. Most of these people wouldn't do anything for God. And, and you, there is no benefit I got out of other than entertainment that I got out of that game. No benefit whatsoever. Didn't do me nothing. Didn't help me at all. And these players and these owners and, and all these people are going to go home and they're going to sleep in their mansions with their millions and billions of dollars in their pocket with no benefit. And you think about the things that God asks us for. And so, so I'm just relating this of how willing people are to give stuff for a sporting event. But when it comes to the things of God, we're so quick to complain. We're so quick to, to, to say, oh, I can't do that. I can't give that. I can't go there. And so I thought about how we don't take serious enough our walk with God. That's just the truth, church, right? We don't take serious enough. We have to be more serious about our walk with God and the things that God asks us to do. And, and, if, and I've always had this thought. If I am more radical, I'm giving a sports event example. But if you're more radical for anything in your life than you are for God, it's idolatry. Oh, got quiet right there. Right? If you do anything in your life, whether it's even your marriage or your business or your family or anything that's more important than God, and God is not that number one force, then we're no different than the Dallas Cowboys fans. That'll go out and throw all that stuff out, but we won't do what God wants us to do. So this is, it's okay, I'm not expecting any amens tonight, amen. I want to have a church full of disciples. I want to have a church full of people who understand this, listen closely, that it is a privilege to serve God. It is an honor to serve God, amen. 
Let's go down to 57 of Luke right there in chapter 9, same, same chapter of Luke chapter 9. And it says, Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Now, this is what we do a lot of times when we, when we sign up to be saved. And it's okay because sometimes we don't understand uh, what we're signing up for. Let me, before I read this, uh, tell you that this, we, none of us, myself included, the church does not do a good job of letting people know what they're signing up for when they get saved. Because we just kind of look at it, well, God changed my life, and, and now I'm feeling different and all that. But we don't realize we just got bought with a price. We don't realize that 1 Corinthians 6 says, I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. I'm God's. And, 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 and too many people in this world today are just, and I, I did a whole series on that, if you remember, fans. They're just fans. They're just fans. And they just, they, 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 they like God, they like Jesus, they like the whole change my life thing. But once Jesus begins to say, hey, I need you to make some changes in your life. Hey, I want to kind of get in here and see where your heart's at. Then we start getting angry and mad. And again, I relate that to the Cowboys thing. These people were mad, they were angry, and they're saying, I'm never going back again. These Cowboys are horrible, I'm changing teams. Yet the next week they'll be right back there. But people for God are so quick. To leave God when the, when, the, when the going gets rough. Right? Am I right? I mean, we went in there to that game. We were three wins, four losses. We're not even 500, and people were acting like we were going to the Super Bowl. You should have seen how excited they were. It's crazy. So he says, watch this. He says, Lord, I'll follow you, verse 57, wherever you go. That's where we see the talk is cheap, amen? He said, Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said to another, follow me. Now watch this. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one, having watched this, put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Someone give me, anybody that can whistle real good, go ahead and whistle right there. These are some powerful words. There's some serious words here. You know, I began to think about last Thursday uh, I, was, I was blessed and honored to be able to go and, and preach a funeral of someone I didn't know. It was very difficult. Paul and Brenda's friend and their, their uh, mother-in-law. And very difficult to go in and preach a funeral for someone you don't know. But you just take, take advantage of the opportunity. But I was able to share with them during that funeral that I could relate. They, had some they were from Albania. And as they were doing the funeral, they had a phone uh, FaceTiming back to their uh, family in Albania, you could hear people crying through the phone as they were looking at the, the woman in the casket and just mourning. And, and, and I, I know what that's like. You know, and I don't say this to lift myself up, but this is just the, the fact. I, I was not able to be at either one of my grandparents' funerals because I was on the mission field. I can relate to this story. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't have got back if I couldn't have, but I was over there, and this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying don't care for your dead. He's, he's not saying don't love people. What he's trying to say is you've got to put me first. 
And so I was, I was putting God first by leaving my family and, and going and not being home when my grandfather passed away, not being able to be at his funeral. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, put me first. If you're around and you're able to go to the funeral, go to the funeral. But he's saying, don't choose something else over me. How many are finding that, seeing that there? Let the bad, dead bury their own dead, and you go preach the gospel. Now, sometimes people can look at this and say, man, that's pretty coarse. That's pretty straightforward. That's, that's almost mean. Is Jesus mean? I want you to understand something tonight. If you don't get anything else out of this message, Jesus is not mean. We know he's not mean, but he takes really serious the things of his, of his, of his kingdom. He takes it really serious. So serious that he gave his life. He gave his life for us. And so it's, it's, it's something that he expects of us. This isn't something we can choose we're seeing in these scriptures here, we don't choose if we want to be a disciple or not. He expects us to be a disciple. He expects us to be a follower. He expects us, as we're going to see here in a minute, to lay some things down for him and to make some sacrifices for him. Not so we can be loved by him, but because we can accept him. When I look at that and think about that marked, we were marked the day we met Jesus. He marked us with his, with his change. He, he came into our lives. If you think about that tonight and you're here and you really were born again, you really, really were born again and you had a conversion experience, the, the, the moment after you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were not the same person. You were changed. You, your mindset doesn't mean you were, you were totally sanctified. doesn't mean everything. You still don't have it all together. None of us have it all together. We're in that process right now. We're seeking that tonight. But something changed, and Jesus gave us a new life. He gave us a new direction. And now he's saying, listen, I, I'll give this to you freely. Salvation is free. How many understand salvation is free? Nothing you can do to buy it. Nothing you can do to earn it. Nothing you can do to deserve it. Watch this. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. Everything. Discipleship will cost you everything. And you might say, well, do I have to give up my house tonight? Do I have to give up my car tonight? Do I have to give up my job tonight? Do I have to give up my children tonight? Do I have to give up my money tonight? You might start asking yourself that question. And the answer is, if he asks you to. Some people, God will never ask you to give up your house or give up your career or give up a, he'll never ask that, but he's wanting to know if you'd be willing. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship says, God, if you ask for it, it's yours because it's not mine anyways. And that's when you become a true disciple, when you get to that place where you begin to understand, everything that I have is mine. I, I was lost before I found God. I was lost before God found me. So anything I have tonight is pure gain because I'm a new creation. Before I met Jesus, I had a, a little bit of life in me that was going to last to a certain amount of years, and then I was going to spend eternity in hell. Now I'm saved and redeemed and born again, and now I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with God. And so I owe God everything. And so if he asks for it, I've got to give it to him. So he says, no one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me throw this out real quick as I continue to read some more verses so you understand this tonight. Uh, if it, it, I always try to throw something out that you can catch and say, okay, I've got to grab onto that. That's, exact, that's the one thing I've got to grab onto. It's this. Finish what you started. Finish what you started. Disciples, finish. Okay? Disciples, finish. It's not about starting. It's about finishing. 
lots of people start. This is about you making it to the end. You're going to have some struggles along the way. You're going to have some times where you, you feel like giving up. You're going to have some times where you feel like quitting. You're going to have some times where you feel like it's overwhelming. But how many, how many got that verse in, on Sunday? I think I sent it out yesterday or the day before, Hebrews 5, where it says, Even Jesus learned from his suffering. Even Jesus learned from his suffering. He was, a, he was able to learn something from God through the suffering that he went through. Now let's go down to Luke chapter 14. These are three powerful scriptures here in the book of Luke. How many are okay tonight with some discipleship preaching? Amen. Amen. Discipleship preaching. This is, this is what keeps us right. This is what keeps our heart good. You know, tonight on a Wednesday night, a lot of us in here are always here. We're here at all the services. We come to all the services. We're involved. We're serving. And so um, it's, not, it's not to come in and, you know what, we do need a massage sometimes. We do need a massage. I like massage. I like when someone puts their hand on my back and starts to rub my shoulders for a second. I say, I'll give you five minutes to quit doing that. Amen. That feels good. But you also need sometimes to be reminded that this is a privilege to serve God. It's an honor to serve God. Many of us in here tonight are in ministry, are involved in doing things for the kingdom of God. But I want to just say this right now and remind you tonight as you're listening. It is a privilege to be serving God. God does not owe us anything. We owe God everything. If you have an opportunity to be serving tonight, you better be thankful for it. Because it's a privilege to serve God. Amen? Are you listening? And that's the way we need to look at our ministry. We need to look at any opportunity that we have in this place, in any aspect in our lives tonight, as an opportunity that God would let me serve his kingdom is a miracle. Amen? And so it's not, I'm just filling a position. I just have this, this title I have or this thing I do. It's, it's people need my ministry. God has put a, a gift in me to serve, and i got to make sure that I'm serving to the very best of my ability. How many are in Luke 14? Watch this, verse 25. This is what I really want to get to tonight. It says, now, great multitudes went with him. This is what I was talking about Sunday morning. Sunday morning services, it's a multitude. There's a lot of people here. Not everybody's saved. You know what? Don't, don't, get, don't get confused that when we do an altar call and, and no one raises their hand that everybody's saved. We don't know if everybody's saved. When people, people just people don't raise their hand doesn't mean that they're saved. Lots of people think they're saved. Can I get a better amen on that? Lots of people think they're, or a lot of people say, I'm a Christian. But it's like that generic cliche, if you go sit in a garage, don't make you a car. Amen? Just because you're sitting in a garage, you're not a car. You have to become a disciple. You have to become like Christ. And so the multitude is Sunday, you know, Sunday mornings. That's one of the reasons we changed to two services. So we could reach more people, get more people in here to hear the gospel. But these are the messages that are going to change the city of Denton. Discipleship messages. Where we as believers stand up and rise up and say, I'm not doing enough for God. I'm, I can do more. There's more I've got to do. There's more I've got to serve. There's more people I've got to touch. That's what's going to change the, the city of Denton, not pulling more chairs out. I'm thankful for that. That's wonderful. But if we just keep having numbers and we don't have ministry and we don't have tr tangible, real, real people who understand what the gospel is, we're just, we're just another group of people gathering together. Amen. So we have to understand that this is a real call. He says, he says, as he turned to the multitudes, he says, okay, I see a crowd. He didn't get excited about the crowd. He didn't say, oh, this is awesome. Look at all these people. He says, I see a lot of people. 
but I don't know how many disciples are here. He says, let me just cut this down real fast. Let me find out who's really with me. Watch what he says. If anyone, can you picture that tonight? This isn't even our Sunday morning crowd. This is multitudes, thousands and thousands of people. And he says, if anyone, and he probably had to yell real loud, didn't have a PA system, comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, watch this, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, let me remind you of this tonight because, again, this is where people go, what are you talking about hate? What do you mean hate? In the Greek, hate means, does anybody know before I say it? I've said it before. Anybody know what it means? Love less. Love less. That's what it means in the Greek. If anyone does not love less, his father, his mother, his sister, his brother, or anybody else, children, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So here's the answer to your question tonight, your, quest, your answer to the question that only you can answer and only I can answer. Is there anything I love less than God? Do I love God more than things or do I love things more than God? That's what he's saying. He says, I cannot. Now watch this. He says, I cannot. That word cannot is a strong word. I cannot have you on my team if you do not love less everybody else. I cannot let you be in the kingdom of God and be my disciple if you have one thing in your life that is greater than me. One thing. He's a jealous God. Amen. He, he takes things really, really serious. Now, this isn't where we, we would just shrink down and, and die and say, I'll never make it and I can't do this. It's where we check our hearts and say, God, is there anything in my life that is, I love more than you? That's where you ask yourself that question. And here's the thing. If you've been saved long enough, you'll realize this. As you go through your life and your journey with the Lord and, and your discipleship, there will be certain times where those things that you might love more will be different. It won't always be the same thing. But you'll, 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 you'll take a message like this and you'll look in when you'll say, God, is there, is there something? What, what is it, Lord? What? And he'll speak to you and he'll remind you, he'll tell you that that's what it is. Some of you might even be hearing it right now in the Holy Spirit. Might be re being revealed something right now. Maybe it'll be next week, next month. But you just say, God, I don't want to love you less. I want to love you more than anything and love everything else less. God's got to be first in every area of my life. Now watch this. We're going to continue. Here's what he says. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, right before I read this next thing, I want you to do a picture with me. I, I probably could have put it up there. It would have been easier. Have you ever seen the cartoon of the man who's carrying his cross? Right? Just picture a man carrying his cross, and it's a cartoon, so it makes it a little easier. He's carrying his cross, and as he's carrying his cross, he, he stops and he says, Oh, Lord, uh, this cross is too much for me to bear. Can you cut some of it off? Can you just trim a little bit off? And so the Lord does what he asks. He comes down, he trims a little bit off the cross, off the bottom of the cross. And so he starts carrying it some more. It's a little lighter. And the whole idea and the whole picture is as he's going along, he keeps on asking, God, this is just so hard for me. This is so tough for me. And before I finish the story, we need, to, we need to sometimes stop and realize what we're saying when we say those things. 
When we complain and we murmur and we, we say, oh, I just, you know, that, woe is me on whatever it is in our life, we need to stop that. We need to stop doing that because there's nothing we can go through. If you, sometimes I wish I could just transport us to another country. I wish I could just take us somewhere else where they're going through real persecution. Or even if our, in our, you know, being in the, my, my mom being in the hospital, I don't like hospitals at all. I, I go there because I know I need to go see my mom and visit people. I don't like hospitals. I hate seeing people hurting. Right across the room from my mom is a woman who just had her foot amputated. If you have both your feet, just raise your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, for two feet tonight. And I could go on for the next hour giving you examples of how we complain about things that are so minimal and so ridiculous sometimes in our lives. When when there are people, my mom is laying in a hospital bed for the last month. You would not believe the attitude she has. What an attitude. She she blessed. I I go by there not just to see her. I go by there to get blessed. She blesses me. She's just sitting up this morning. I text my dad, say, I'm coming to the hospital. I get there. She got a little flower in her hair. She's all prettied up. I said, what would you do your hair for? She said, it for you. See, it looked pretty. She's sitting up in that chair the best she can sit up in that thing. Just, you know, that attitude of she's, she ain't got nothing going for her right now. She's got another probably three weeks to a month in a hospital, but she has an attitude. She's like, I can't wait to get out of here and do something for God. She's witnessing to all the nurses. She's... So the idea is we're always going to go through struggles. We're always going to have problems. We're always going to have trials. But when that moment there is when we need to stop and say, Lord, help me have a perspective on what a cross is. On what my cross is. Okay? So let me finish that story. He's walking. Now, how many know that, that God is, it, between us and God is a separation called sin? Okay? So picture us having to get to the other side of an abyss, so to speak, almost like Abraham and the rich man and Lazarus, okay? And that's your picture. So he's, he keeps asking along the way for this guy, for, sorry, for God to take, make, come on, Lord, take my cross a little, make it a little lighter, make it a little lighter, please. And here's what happens. He keeps asking that so much, and God answers so much that when he gets to the place he has to cross, the way he gets over to the other side is his cross. That's how he gets over And so everybody else is laying their cross down from this side to the other, and that cross that God gave them to carry gets them across, and they walk across the other side. But that one who kept asking, can you cut my cross off? Can you cut my cross off? Can you make this a little easier on me? When they went to lay it down, it it didn't go across. That's what we've got to be careful of. It's to be asking that question to Jesus because Jesus in his love will will cut it off for us. But I think sometimes he's saying, really? And, and, and I had a lady call me the other day uh, from, from the home church, actually, asked me, just, just, just going through some things, witnessing, and, she, and, and I had to kind of minister to her a little bit. And I just remind her, every time you start to feel like you're struggling, just think of the cross. Just think about what Jesus did on the cross. And, and it, nothing you're going through can compare to that. Can somebody say amen? amen. So let me go through this. Watch. It says, which of you intending to be a tower, uh, to build a tower? Does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what? Now, watch this. On this building, how many know that what he's saying there is God does not want us to build half a building? 
Half a building doesn't, there's one up the road here going towards uh, Rector Road. Been there forever. Big old majestic building, never been finished the whole time I've lived here, the whole time I've been coming over 20 years visiting. It's beautiful and majestic, but they did not have the money to finish that thing. You know what that means? It means somebody looks at your life in Jesus, that you claim to be a Christian, you claim to be a believer, you claim to be a disciple, and they, f- they see you not finish. And they mock it and say, see, that's why I'm not a Christian, because you can't finish. It's all about finishing. And it doesn't mean that we're going to finish sprinting. I'll, I'll be happy, church, with sliding in safe. Amen. I just want to get there. But I'm not going to quit. So he says, make sure that if you're going to do this God thing, make sure that you go all the way and you finish the building. You finish the work. Here's the last example. He says, or what king going to war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000, verse 31, to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Now watch this. Or else While the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Likewise, whoever of you who does not forsake all cannot be my disciple. This is a picture of war. How many know we are warriors tonight? We don't always feel like it. We don't always look like it. But God says we are. He gave us a breastplate of righteousness. He gave us uh, all kinds of, of powerful things to have in our lives. But we don't feel like it sometimes. But guess what? I, I believe that when people go out to war and those soldiers put their stuff on and they get out there, they don't always feel like soldiers, but they have to fight. I want you to picture with me for a second some soldiers running back to their captain and saying, Captain, Captain, these people are shooting at me. These people, someone just threw this round thing at me and exploded in front of me. How ridiculous would that sound? What would that guy say? He said, what did you sign up for? Didn't you know that if you got into, the, into this army and you were going to serve and you were going to go to war, people were going to shoot at you? A lot of Christians are going, man, man, can you believe the devil just threw that at me? Can you believe that? God says, what did you sign up for? You're in a war. This is a real battle. This is, a, this is real. We should expect those things. That's par for the course. We should, oh man, you should see how the devil attacked me this week. Oh man. We should expect that. Not look for it. I'm not looking for it. But I should expect it. Because it's part of the war. How many of you see that picture? How ridiculous would that look? I can't believe they shot at me, man. They actually, they actually pointed their gun and tried to kill me. You think the devil's pointing his gun at you just to scare you? The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Look at this last part. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So salt, think about salt as I close with this. Salt, what is salt? Salt's not that big of a deal. But what is salt for? Taste and preservation. Do you think salt runs back to its salt friends and says, hey, I just made this thing taste really good. Look at me. Salt's expected to do that. You know what we're expected to win souls? You know what we're expected to serve? You know what we're expected to pray and expected to read the Bible? 
We shouldn't be looking for a pat on the back when we do something like that for God. That's what we're called to do. Salt's supposed to preserve. Salt's supposed to add flavor. We shouldn't be shocked when somebody gets saved because we told them about Jesus. That's what God called us to do. How many are with me tonight? And so what he says is, salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? So, So God wants us to be salt, wants us to be light. But here's what he says. If you aren't any longer being what I called you to be, I can't use you. I can't use you. When you you pour salt on something and it has no flavor, what happens? It gets thrown out. I know that sounds harsh, but Jesus needs people who are willing to be used. That's what salt shakers do. Salt shakers give flavor. So we should be like that salt shaker that says, God, this is kind of mundane. It's not very exciting, but shake me. Use me. Pour me out. Because that's what I'm made for. That's what I'm called for is to be poured out. I'm called to be used, to preserve, to give flavor, to give life. And when, when, when things get a little bit rough, I count it all joy, like James says. I count it all joy. Listen to this. This is a warning that Christianity will change you. It says, this is kind of a warning sign. As you can picture that, I probably should have sent this to Chris and put it up on the thing. No purchase necessary. That sounds good, huh? You ever seen that? It's like the fine writing, the fine print. You ever seen that? No purchase necessary. How many know nothing's really free? No purchase necessary. Price has already been paid. That's totally true. True repentance is required. Now listen to the rest. Must be willing to look foolish to the world. Complete dedication is necessary and may result in the loss of family and friends. Rejection may occur. Must be willing to give up your own plan and swim against the current. The road is tough, but victory is guaranteed. Help is always available. Listen to this. There is no other way, truth, or life. Amen. We have got to mentally remind ourselves we are going to win this. I just have to stay in the battle. And I've, I'm called to be a soldier. I, you know, you don't sign up to be in the army and just want to be in the reserves. We got to get in the army. We got to get in the war. And sometimes it's going to be casualty. Tonight, I'm not looking to die. I'm not looking to be killed for Christ. But I'm, I'm willing to die if that's what he wants me to do. Right? That's the question he's asking. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking to lose anything I have. But if he asks me to give it, I'll give it. Don't we see a little sign of this in the Bible many times? For example, when Abraham asked Isaac to take his son, did he ever really ask him to take his son? What was it? To test to see if he would. Jesus is asking us, would you? Now, most of us probably won't have to die a martyr's death. Most of us will pass into eternity if the Lord tarries and and go to heaven that way. But if God wanted us to give our life, would we? That's the question. Now, last verse, if you're taking notes, is Philippians 2, 14 to 16. Listen to this carefully. How, how, what's the right attitude that I should have in being a disciple? God, how, how should I look at things? How should I look at ministry? How should I look at life? How should I look at, at, 
the gospel and serving. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine. Somebody shout out shine. As lights in the world. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Father, tonight I ask you to speak to me. This is for me, Lord. This message is for me. I'm not preaching to anybody else but myself. Every single one of us need to take this to heart. I don't want to be a part of the multitude. I want to be a part of the in-group. I want to be a part of the disciples. I want to be a part of what's happening in the kingdom of God. And I can be a part of that tonight if I'll make sure that I live Matthew 6.33 that says, if I will put you first over everything else, if I put you first and number one in my life, you'll take care of everything else as I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I know all the things that I need will be added unto me. Tonight as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, thank the Lord tonight that we can come in on a Wednesday night and get a message that will keep us humble, get a message that will challenge our faith, because listen, church, God is looking for leaders in this place. God is looking for people who would take serious what he did on the cross for us. And we will say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. And if I suffer along the way, Lord, I'm going to count it all joy that I could suffer for the kingdom of God, that I could suffer some loss, that I could be tired a little bit, that I could, that I could go through some sickness maybe sometimes. Just as, as, as I'm walking through this walk, God, you never promised. You never promised it will be perfect but you promised us that we'd win. That's the gospel tonight, that we'll win. You said you'll go to us to the ends of the world. You'll be with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. But you never said we wouldn't have troubles. You never said we wouldn't have trials. You never said we wouldn't have loss. Matter of fact, Paul said, anything that I have gained, I counted as loss. Oh, tonight, Lord, I pray that you prick our hearts as a church tonight because we can't be satisfied or, 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 or just happy with what you're doing right now we're thankful for it but we're not satisfied because there's a whole lot of people outside of these walls that need Jesus and they're going to find Jesus through our obedience they're going to find Jesus through our sacrifice they're going to find Jesus through us keeping you first in everything and counting our blessings and realizing how blessed we truly are tonight, Father. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit doing what the Holy Spirit only can do tonight. Touching hearts, ministering to us. <clears throat> you're comforting, you're challenging, you're convicting, you're changing. You're directing tonight in our lives, and that's what we need. It's, I'm not directing anything, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is. Oh, Father, all over this place, minister to us and get us ready for battle tomorrow. Get us ready for battle on Friday. Get us ready for battle next week, Lord. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. All over this place, as we close tonight, how many would be honest with God?
and tell the Lord tonight, Jesus, I need to be born again. I'm not saved. If I passed into eternity tonight, I would not spend eternity with God. I have not made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. How many would quickly raise their hand and say, would you pray for me tonight? I am not saved and I need Jesus. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. God sees your hand. God bless you. How many more? I'm not ready. I'm not right. I'm not sure. Maybe you're backslidden. You know this, this whole part here? There's, there's people who preach you can't backslide, but that's everything we just read here. Where people finished halfway, where people didn't finish the race, where people didn't finish the tower, where people lost their salt. How can, how can you not lose your, your walk with the Lord if you can lose your salt flavor? It's the same idea. Maybe you're here tonight and you're weary and you've made bad decisions and you've been disobedient and God's saying, listen, I'll, I'll take you back tonight. I'll give you flavor again. I'll help you finish that tower you left a few years ago. Maybe you need to get right with God tonight. Get back with God tonight. If that's you, just put your hand up. Say, that's me. Pray for me tonight. Amen. Let's stand tonight to our feet. We're going to open up the altar. Amen. This is, this is what we need to hear, church. Can somebody give me an amen? This is what we need to hear. We need to be challenged. We need to be challenged to do more. Because if God's going to keep bringing people into our church, we need to be ready to take them. We need to be ready to disciple them. You can't disciple someone if you're not discipled. And you might say, well, I've been a disciple for a long time. Well, we got a lot of years left to be discipled more. Because you don't ever stop being discipled until we get to heaven. I, I, I want to be a better disciple tonight. I want to be better at everything I can do. As we begin to open up these altars, find a place, talk to the Lord, do some business with God tonight. Help, help him do a, a neck adjustment, a back adjustment, an attitude adjustment, a spirit adjustment. Uh, uh, maybe you're on fire tonight and you want more fire. Maybe you're closer to God than you've ever been in your life and you say, God, I want more. I want more of your presence. I want more of your power. I want more of your spirit. Lord, I want to be closer to you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We feel your presence tonight in this place. We feel your Holy Spirit in this place tonight, God. Lord Jesus, you're doing a work in us tonight.